So Mo is going to come and read for us now, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles with you or if you have an electronic device, you might like to find that now. Our heavenly dwelling. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, We are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Please do be seated. When was the last time uh, that you thought about death? Cheery subject this morning, Vicar, I can hear you saying, yes, it is. Uh, But seriously, when was the last time that you thought about death, maybe your own death? Where were you? What caused you to think about it? If you can't remember a time, then ask why. why. Why don't you think? about death, from time to time at least. Life can be hard, can't it? And uh, the reality is that all of us are are dying, actually. Uh, Some of us may feel that more than others. Uh, I've been on this planet now for the the best part of half a century. Um, I can feel in those uh, 48 years or so the ravages of sin affecting my body. So my my hands go cold in this sort of weather. They go painfully numb, actually, white, and I I, I lose sensation. Uh, Losing my hair, as uh, as are some of of you uh, here um, (laughs) uh, this morning as well. You know, it's going grey, the skin's wrinkling. Uh, I've got a gut condition. I'm on tablets. I'm going to be on tablets for the rest of my life. It'll probably only get worse. Um, I've had skin cancer and and moles removed. On top of all of this, uh, my wife tells me that I suffer from hypochondria as well. So, um, (laughs) you know, I'm struggling. 
Look, the chances are, if you're in your 20s, your 30s, or 40s, you don't think about death too much. But if you're in your 60s, your 70s, or your 80s, maybe a bit more. And I'm only too aware that that some of us are are dealing with the pain of loss and and bereavement at the moment. Some of us have, have, have lost loved ones recently. We're stealing ourselves for our first Christmas without them. Some of us may have, uh, have, have had a, a, a diagnosis recently, or, or maybe there's, a, there's been a, an event that's happened, and that means that life actually will, will never be the same again. And what then? I think of the times that I, I have taken funerals, and, and, and often I stand here at the front of church, and, and, and the coffin is there, and, and I say this often as I, as I take funerals. One day each of us will be where John or Norman or whoever it is will be, and what then? What then? Has God's word got anything to say into these sort of questions, these sort of, these sort of thoughts? Is there any hope uh, in God's word for us? You bet there is. There's loads, especially in the passage uh, that Mo uh, read for us. Uh, this is where Paul is going to take us to think about these things in this uh, next uh, chapter that we're looking at. So it's chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. This is where we've got to. If you've got your Bibles, please do turn to them uh, and open up 2 Corinthians 5. As you've done that, uh, as you do that, I'm going to pray for us uh, before we go any further. Lord, please would you help us to uh, hear your word this morning, not just to hear your word, but to understand it, not just to understand your word, Lord, but we pray that you would change us as a result of encountering you through your word this morning by your spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So a quick, uh, a quick recap then on uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, where we're up to so far. You'll remember that Paul is writing to this church that he loved in Corinth. Uh, Corinth, if you're unaware, this place in what we now know as Greece. Uh, Corinth, a place uh, that is obsessed with uh, the worldly sort of standards of measurement, obsessed with uh, power and, and prestige and, and all the sort of trappings that come with, come with that. And Paul is, is, is writing to, to uh, encourage this church. This young church that he's helped uh, plant, he's writing to encourage them. They've been, they've been sort of led away by false teaching, but also they've been really impacted by this culture that is around them. And he's writing to encourage them. He said, look, remember what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life is not about these outward shows of strength. It is about weakness. God's power through our weakness. And actually, 2 Corinthians is one of these uh, letters that um, Paul writes. Yes, there's doctrine in it, but it's not primarily a you know, a doctrinal. This is Paul laying his heart out to this church. He is persuading them. He is urging them to, to, to think again. And he is urging them to think that, you know, it's not by worldly ways. It is the weakness that is the way. And nowhere is this more obvious and more uh, uh, relevant. He is, is saying, when you think about our bodies, what happens when we die? Because there we're going to get the ultimate expression of weakness, death. And strength in, in the next life. So take a look with me at uh, uh, verse 1, verse 1 of chapter 5. Paul writes this He says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And by earthly tent, what do you think Paul? means by earthly tent 
By the way, this isn't a rhetorical question. I've been away this week on a, on a three-day preaching workshop. They've encouraged me to experiment with different kinds of uh, ways of preaching. So one of these different ways of, ways of different preaching is to ask you questions, and you get to answer them as we go along. <laughs> so help me out here, otherwise I'm going to feel lonely. But why earthly tent? What do, we, what do we think Paul means? Anybody? Just shout it out. Body. Yeah, the body. He's talking about our physical bodies, not talking about the homes we live in or the, or the places we dwell in. He's talking about the physical uh, body. And it's interesting, isn't it, that he, he uses this term tent. Paul, of course, tent maker on the side, did a bit of moonlighting, didn't he? You know, he, 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 he earned his keep from time to time by making tents. And he has this picture here of a tent. Now, just think about a tent for a moment. It's flimsy. The wind can whip through it. Holes holding it up can shake, can't they? Then, if you've, uh, if you're sort of, if you've been, if you are tent people, or you go on camping holidays, that sort of things, we've dabbled in it from time to time. We had a family tent a, a good few years ago. We've taken it away. You know, it's done family holidays in on the west coast of Scotland, which were, were fabulous in the centre of Scotland. We've been out of Pembrokeshire, the Dales, the Lake District. It's about twenty odd years old now. That tent, and it's in a bit of a state. There are rips in that tent, <laughs> the zip isn't working, poles have broken, they've been replaced. Maybe you're here this morning and, you know, you can feel that wind howling through your tent. Maybe you, you, you've struggled with bones that are broken and had to be fixed and maybe you feel like there are tears and things are fraying at the seams slightly. This is the image that Paul is using here. And what he says is, look, don't worry, don't, don't, don't worry about this earthly tent because we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. He says, don't fear death. You have an eternal, an eternal home, a solid, a secure, eternal home in heaven Uh, and actually that's what you were made for it's what we're made for that eternal home so if you look down to verse uh, verse five um, in verse five you'll see uh, that paul writes now it is god who has made us for this very purpose this is what we've been made for this eternal eternal um uh, dwelling In, in in other words you know, yes, we have this life, but our ultimate purpose is our, is our heavenly dwelling, our heavenly body. And you think about this, you, th- you think we have, pretty much everything has a purpose. Some things have a transformative purpose, like our body. So if you think about a pen, just a simple pen, there's ink in that pen, it's a piece of plastic. But as we use that pen, the purpose of that pen is transformed and it writes a script, doesn't it? If you want a more biblical analogy, think about a seed. Paul does this in 1 Corinthians 15, the seed that is planted in the ground, the husk falls away, it kind of dies that seed. What happens to the seed? It grows. It grows into a beautiful plant or to you know, a life-giving crop, whatever it is. Think of the butterfly, that metamorphosis that comes from a caterpillar. The caterpillar dies. So it is. The ultimate purpose with our human bodies is to be renewed, restored, overclothed, actually, here. It's not just clothed. The, 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 the original language that Paul uses is overclothed with this heavenly body. It's not like we'll suddenly replace one with the other, but our, our eternal home will overclothe and give us this perfect new, he mixes his metaphors a bit here, but this perfect new body. It's what we were made for. 
You may have heard uh, this week, um, well, actually, it was a a couple of weeks ago now, that uh, a Christian leader called Melvin Tinker um, had died. And uh, uh, his his son um, posted uh, a statement on, on social media after his father had died. And this is what his son wrote about his dad. He was a Christian leader. He said, during the night, dad went to be with the Lord. He was comfortable. He was listening to David Suchet reading the book of Revelation. Mum fell asleep, and when she awoke, the book had been finished, and Dad was with the one whom we see so gloriously in these pages and whom Dad now sees face to face. Dad has died, but he's now more alive than ever before. Dad has died, but he is now more alive than ever before. Why? Because he is now fulfilling the purpose for which he has been made. Don't fear death. You have an eternal home, and that eternal home is what you were made for. It's not wishful thinking, this. It's not wishful thinking. It's a, it's a statement of fact. And how does this change, Paul? How does this, this, this way of thinking change uh, what, what, how Paul thinks and, and how um, Paul behaves? Well, have a look at verse 2. Uh, have a look at verse 2. How does verse 2 describe Paul behaving? What, what do we see in those verses? Again, again, not a rhetorical question. Please shout it out. What is Paul doing there? Any in verse 2, if you've got it in front of you. What's Paul doing? Groaning. He's groaning. He's longing. This isn't moaning, groaning, by the way. He's not, this is, this is a groan. My, my body's groaning for this. It's longing. It's longing uh, for it. And we see in verse 8, he has a preference. His preference is to, is to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. This is his preference. So he is longing for this. He is groaning for it. This is his presence. I want to be with the Lord. I want to be in that place that I have been made for. He's longing. It's his desire. I wonder what you are longing for this morning. Maybe you're longing for this sermon to be over and uh, you get away and, and get on with the rest of your I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a holiday, you know. Maybe you're just longing for that next holiday. Maybe it's, you know, your, your eyes are on Christmas and, and the family reunion that you're hoping is not going to be disrupted anymore by, by COVID shenanigans again, but you're just waiting to be reunited uh, uh, with, 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 with family. Maybe you're longing for something, for something else. Maybe you're longing for a relationship to be restored, actually. Maybe you're longing for someone you know to, to become a Christian, someone, someone you know who, who doesn't yet know the Lord. All good things to long for, all good things to long for. But what should be our greatest longing? What should be our greatest longing when you consider our purpose? should be our greatest longing when you consider our purpose. Don't fear death, Paul says. Long for it. Your secure, your eternal home is what you were made for. Now, at this point, I can hear uh, a sort of question forming in, in our minds. If it's what we should long for, if this is, if this is what we should long for, is this not just a sort of argument or, or something that would support us on a thinking towards, you know, to encourage something like euthanasia or suicide? Why don't we just end it now? Why don't we just end it now? Well, I want to give you two reasons why not. 
two reasons why that is not the case. Listen very carefully when I say this. I, hope, I do hope you'll, you'll hear me clearly on this. Firstly, only the creator has the right to give and to take life. Only the creator has the right to give and take life. We hear this in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, we hear God say, I, the, I, the Lord, I, I'm the one that gives life. I give life and I am the one that takes life. Think of it a bit like, um, a bit like Lego. Lego? <laughs> How are we going from that to Lego? Okay, well, think about Lego. I don't know, maybe as a child you played with Lego. Maybe you have children or grandchildren who have played with Lego. And as they have, as they have played with Lego, they make something. What do we make? We make a, a house or a, a street scene or a spaceship or whatever it is. If we are playing by the rules, or if parents, sorry, are playing by the rules in those times, they don't come along, do they? And they go, right, time, time to clear away, smash up the Lego, and in the box it goes. No, they go... They come along, and if they're playing parents, if you're playing by the rules, you come along and you say, it's time to pack this away now. Love what you have made. That's that's great. Do you want to put that on the side for another day, or do you want to take it apart and recreate something now, if you're playing by the rules? Only the the creator has the right to dismantle that Lego creation. It's a silly analogy, I know, but in the same way, only the creator of our lives has the right to give this life and to take it away. That's the first reason why we don't just go into that way of thinking and say, okay, well, let's, let's stop it all now. The second reason is this. Life, this life, is a gift. It is a gift from the Lord. He has given us this life. He has given us this life to be enjoyed, to be lived to the full, to be lived out to the max. And he has given us this life to make a difference, to love each other, to serve each other, to help each other. And, and as we do that, actually, in this life, as we love each other and we serve and we do things, that actually plays a part through in, on into eternity. This is, where, this is where Paul goes next, because he says, not only don't fear death, long for it because you've got an um, eternal home. Don't just you know, long for it. Don't just long for it because it's your purpose. But actually how we are and what we do in this life has some impact on into eternity. Because, and the Bible is unashamed about this, there is this idea of reward in eternity. The Bible talks about rewards all the time. And so actually, if you look down to verse, uh, verse 10... Um, Uh, Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And actually, by judgment seat of Christ here, he's not talking uh, the judgment of of whether you're saved or you're not saved. This is, uh, I mean, there is that judgment seat of Christ, the the, the sheep and the goats. But Paul here, he's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking to Christians. And he says, "As as, as we appear before the judgment, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So actually what we do now here affects what happens in eternity. Not whether we'll get there, but just affects how we'll be treated. What kind of glory we will be given. What glory will be there we will be able to give to the Lord. And that's an, in, uh, that's an incredible thing. And then you're kind of thinking, I don't know, if you're anything like me, you're thinking, oh gosh, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be seeing what you've done and I'm going to be thinking, oh, I, you know, I did not use my gifts well. Look at, look at what you did, look, you know, and I'm going to be ashamed, I'm going to feel guilty, and uh, uh, you know, I'm going to be jealous of what you've done and, and the glory you've got. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what happens in heaven. We know that, don't we? There, what's, what's in heaven? No more fear. There's no tears. There's no crying. There's no pain. There is no way that we will be able to feel these kind of negative things and emotion. In fact, when I'm in heaven and, and I see the glory you have and the glory that, with which you are praising our, our creator, I'm only going to be excited by that. And I'll be pleased for you. And I'll be like, go, yes. And you'll be doing the same to me. There will be no shame. No shame at all. There will be no jealousy. Nevertheless, somehow, with, when we make sense of what we read in God's word, there will, we will be rewarded in some capacity. So that should motivate us in this life. This life as, as a gift as we have been given. So don't fear death. Long for it. It is your eternal home. It's what you were made for. You will be rewarded when you are there. And the great news is, if you look at verse, uh, verse 5, I think it is, the great news is, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and he gives us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We were singing this, uh, a brilliantly chosen song earlier on, by the way. We were singing this earlier on. The spirit is guaranteeing for us what is to come. This is wonderful, uh, wonderful stuff. God, you know, we have God himself, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. It is made possible for us, is it not, because of what Jesus has done on the, res- uh, on the cross and through his resurrection. No longer is this, uh, there this barrier between us and God. Now God can come a- a- and live inside each one of us. And he living in us is the guarantee of what is to come. Don't fear death. Don't fear death. Just long for it. Uh, Martin Morrison uh, is a man I admire immensely. I, I suspect most of you won't have heard of, of Martin Morrison. Martin Morrison um, is the bishop. He's the bishop who, who ordained me. Um, and uh, he's got a, 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 I think he's got an enormous amount of wisdom. Um, uh, some may say that might be a contradiction in terms. If you, uh, no, I'm not going to go down that, to, uh, down that route. Uh, but he does have a, an enormous amount of wisdom. And I spent some time with him. He's, he's from South Africa. I spent some time with him a few years ago while he was on mission uh, in, in South Africa. And um, he said to me something which I found really profound. I'm going to share it with you. He said, John, you know, the Christian life is really quite straightforward. You've only got to be ready to do three things. He said, you've got to be ready to tell the gospel. You've got to be ready to proclaim the gospel. You've got to be ready to share the good news. Whether it's like this, like I'm doing to you, or you're in conversation, you know, with, with a mate. You've got to be ready to share the good news. Second thing, he says, you've got to be ready to do a Bible study. By a Bible study, meant you've just got to be ready to get God's word open, read it with somebody, share something from it. It doesn't mean necessarily what we do when we meet every fortnight in a formal context. But just be ready to tell the good news. Be ready to get the Bible open. Third thing, he said, and be ready to die. Oof. Be ready to die. He said, you know what? We spend so long in our culture, in the West, this Western culture, in our churches and in our schools, teaching people how to, how to and equipping people how to live and, and getting them ready for life and teaching them how to life. We spend precious, uh, to live life. We spend precious little time teaching people to be ready for death and to die well. And that really stuck with me. Are we ready to die in how we're living? Are we ready to die in how we're living? I must confess that the older I get, I find myself struggling with this more and more, actually. Uh, having passed uh, midlife and uh, you know, that realisation now that I've got less of my life probably to live 
than I have already lived. Uh, I've already mentioned the, the sort of signs of, of, of ageing, um, but I, you know, I kind of think I, I, find myself, I want to make the most of the time I've got left. What have I not done that I want to do? What, do I, what am I trying to put off that won't happen in my life? Or, and I find myself struggling with it more and more. And as I've been preparing for this sermon, I, I, I have really sensed Jesus saying to me, John, are you longing for the things of this world more than you're longing for me? John, are you longing for the things of this world more than you're longing for me? I, 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 maybe the, Jesus is saying that to us as a church this morning. Are you longing for the things of this world more then you are longing for me, Jesus is saying. And I don't know if I can help you answer that question without telling you about, um, about my friend Linda. I first met Linda when we, uh, we helped to plant a church in the north of Scotland. Uh, she became one of, uh, a good friend, and she's one of those people, I'm sure you have them in your life, um, she, uh, uh, a, a, a lady who was very kind, she was very gentle, but she, she just an enormous amount of wisdom, one of the most godly people um, I know. And uh, we were doing a membership course, uh, I think uh, fairly early on, and there was a coffee break, I think, and, and, and I got chatting to Linda, and, and in the course, I can't remember how we led up to this, but she said to me, she said, John, I can't wait to be home with the Lord. I was in my third, I was like, Linda, what, you, know, what, you can't wait to be, what, what do you mean you can't wait to be at home with the Lord. And she went on to explain to me that she was living with a long-term uh, debilitating condition. It meant she was in pain every single day, sometimes acute pain, actually, almost unbearable pain. Um, and, uh, yeah, she was living with that every day. I, she, John, I can't wait to be at home with the Lord. Fast forward a few, a few years, about four years ago now, Linda was diagnosed with breast cancer. And... Um, it was, it was the kind that actually couldn't be cured, and so it was quite advanced. And she made the brave decision that she was not going to have treatment. She, I mean, she could have had treatment to sort of prolong, prolong her life, but, but it, wouldn't, it wasn't curable. And uh, she made the decision um, herself to, to, to just allow that process, allow the Lord to take her home um, in, in, in what she called, um, what she called uh, her, you know, his own time. Her eyes were on the prize of eternal life. Her eyes were on her heavenly home. Her eyes were on her ultimate purpose and her reward. Now, many of us won't, I mean, some of us will be faced with those sort of decisions, absolutely, absolutely but many of us won't be. And in fact, in some ways, many of us will be, will be faced with harder things to try and discern because we've got to discern in the process of living, you know, where our priorities are and how much we're longing for something uh, over how much we're longing for something, something else and certainly longing for our eternal futures. And I wonder what longing for Jesus more than the things of this life will look like for you this morning. Maybe you're here uh, this morning, maybe you're watching um, online, and, and actually you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet. You know, you've heard me talk about Jesus, you, you've, you're not even sure who, whether Jesus is real or who this Holy Spirit uh, person, person is. Well, you may be watching, you may be in that situation, you may be here, and actually you may be quite scared, scared of death, scared of what, what lies beyond um, 
If that's you in, in this place this morning, then please just, you know, I'll be stood at the back. I'd love to just chat to you some more. I'd love to pray with you if you'd allow me to do that. Uh, do come and, come and chat to me afterwards. I suspect most of us, though, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm talking to, to, to believers, I'm talking to saints, I'm talking to Christians. You know, we're still scared too, can't we? We can be scared, that's fine. But what is it for you that you might be longing for more than you are longing for your future with the Lord? I'm going to give us just a few moments to, to do business with God this morning. I mean, um, just, you know, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit has been nudging you over something. I don't know, I mentioned a holiday. Maybe it's a holiday. It's not wrong, a holiday. But, but, but that holiday, maybe. Maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a longing to spend more of our time watching Netflix, watching Amazon Prime, whatever is playing on that console or whatever it might be, than actually with God and just feasting on his word and just listening to him and talking to him in prayer. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe we're longing for those retirement plans more than we're longing to be with the Lord. Maybe it's health. Maybe we're prioritizing our health, our, you know, our attitude to risk. Maybe it's a longing for a partner, a child, a job. I don't know. But just give you a moment just to, to do business with the Lord. What are you longing for in this life more than you are longing for life with Jesus in the next. And, and perhaps as you're as you're doing that and you're thinking, there's, there's, there's this little nagging doubt at the back of your mind and you're thinking, yeah, I get this and I want to do this, but I'm just not sure, John, if it's, you know, if it's, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? Well, just look back at verse 6 and look back at verse 8. There's a word in verse 6 and there is a word in verse 8. It's repeated from, from verse 6. Can someone tell me what that word is? Just shout it out when you see it. Confidence. Is it worth it? You bet it's worth it. We have confidence because of the Holy Spirit in us. Confidence now to live this life now. Confidence for the future before that judgment seat. We are confident. We will come before him utterly confident because he is, he is in us. He is, he is living in us, reigning in us. We can have confidence that though we walk by faith now, one day, verse 7, we're going to walk, walk by sight. One day we are going to see our Lord face to face. We are going to glory with him in his presence he will reward us. I mean, you know, that is the most remarkable, the most un unfathomable, just wonderful thing imaginable. We will be there one day with our creator in our eternal body. <laughs> Not, you know, in, in, this, in this new, this transformed, this restored body. Enjoying our, altar, our purpose, the thing we were, we were made for. Enjoying our reward face to face with him. Friends, please don't fear death. Don't fear it. Long for it. And long for it, not just by looking forward with confidence, looking with confidence in the how, but by looking in the here and now, but by looking back. Looking back to Jesus, who, who, who demonstrated and showed us that ultimate confidence, didn't he, before he went to the cross himself. There he was in Gethsemane on his knees. Father, you know, if possible, take it from me, but not my will, but yours be done. May we be praying that, St. John's, together as a church family. Not our will, but your will in our lives. Let's pray.
Lord, we love your word. Uh, We thank you that you are with us uh, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have not left us on our own. We thank you, Father, for the promises of your word. So, Father, please, would you give us confidence this morning, particularly where we may be lacking it. Give us confidence to live faithfully for you. Whatever time we have left that you have ordained for us to have, may we make the most of the time that we have. May we long for our eternal, secure, glorious home with you. May we revel in its purpose. Father, may we, may we just be longing for that in our lives and looking forward to that glory with you. Lord, please, as we go from this place and, and, and carry on here and, and, and just think together, just keep motivating us and keep giving us the confidence we need to live faithfully for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.